There we go. Hey, it works when you have the power on, don't it? <laughs> yeah. Receive it, brother. <laughs> Man, God is just so good. I'm so thankful for the Lord. Um, he's just amazing. Uh, we, we've talked so much about vision in the beginning of the year, and, and which is good. We love goals, and we love all that stuff. We have a VIP meeting. You know, VIP, is you might think, is very important people, which they are. Uh, but it's vision and perspective. Um, I didn't even come up with that. I think Katie did. I love that. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But actually, we're going to talk about some changes that are coming your way. Uh, and they're gonna, we're letting all the, the dream team know. And uh, so we're letting them know we've already met with the leaders. And so we're making some tweaks and changes to some things I think are just going to be amazing that will help us in growing. The church is growing already, but really just increase it and uh, give you places to connect and so, you know, sometimes you, you do some things and you're like, it worked for a while, but now, you know, the horse is dead, it's time to get another ride. So you, you got to figure that out and just tweak it a little bit. So we've made some of those, we went to the Lord, and it's been taking just some, some time to seek him and just say, what do you want us to do? What is the plan for TLC? So we're excited to go over that with the Dream Team today. And uh, so we want to welcome our online campus. Everybody say hi to the online campus. God bless you guys for tuning in. Thanks for coming. We're glad that you're with us. I want to talk about how to fight the good fight. I'm going to give you six strategies this morning. They won't take that long. But just to, to learn how to fight. Because if we have goals and we have plans, don't you know the enemy wants to come against those? And so we have to know how to fight and how do we fight effectively. And so I started asking myself, what's a good fight? One that we win. <laughs> I don't want to fight a fight that I don't win. How many in here are real? I'm competitive. I am competitive. I've always been that way. And, uh, you know, our church, if we, when we have, you know, we'll have a church picnic. We have a church harvest party. And inevitably, if we're playing volleyball or something and somebody has the bright idea to keep score, then I want to win. If we're keeping score, I want to win. If you're not keeping score, then I can play like Lucille Ball or something. It don't matter. But if we're keeping score, then, you know, I'm like, ah. And I have, and my wife will tell you, I've destroyed several cell phones from diving. And, and she'll be like, why? I'm like, because you're keeping score. So, you know, it, it takes effort for me not to like, ah. That's what I want from you today. I want you to know that if the enemy is going to fight and there's going to be a fight. I almost put a video of Laurel and Hardy up here today. There's going to be a fight, you know. <laughs> He's going to fight you, but man, you can win this fight. I don't know about you, but I, I'm like, if you want to fight, you want to dance, let's dance, because you're not winning. So if, if you get a chance to sock the enemy in the nose, let's take advantage of it. So how do we do that? 1 Timothy 6.12 says, I fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because Jesus has already won it for me. That is key right there, knowing that Jesus has already fought the fight. The fight is fixed, so to speak. He's already won. We have to just believe his stance on it. You're going to have to believe Jesus' stance on what your situation. What's the giant you're facing? What's the wall you're looking at? What's coming against you? What is aggravating? What's stressing you out? What is it? Is it finances? Is it relationships? What, what is it? Jesus has already won that fight, and now you have to take authority and believe what he has said about it. And when we understand that, then we can, we've got this fight. It's already been won. Now it's just walking it out because it's about your belief. Somebody say, that's right. Let's unpack this today. Are you ready? Six strategies. Give your neighbor a high six. 
I caught you, didn't I? Somebody, I, 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 I don't know how to do that. Here's our first one. Think aggressively. So, you know, Brett, what do you mean? I'm telling you, you know, if you're in a fight and you've been in this fight before, how many knows the enemy wants to wear you down? Come on. He'll want to beat you up, wear you down till you finally just somebody throw in the towel. It's done. I, I can't take anymore. Stop the insanity. We've all been there. We've all. But if we would start using some strategy, let's think aggressively. What is where he always trips you up at? What is the weak point? Come on. You know your weak point. Somebody, no, I don't have any weak point. That's a weak point, pride, right there. Because you got one, everybody, I mean, so what is it? Then plan, like a general going to battle. You start thinking, you know what? Here's where the enemy's coming in. Here's where he's got me before. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go down that road again. I'm going to do this. This is what I'll do to stop that attack. Think aggressively. What you can do differently to avoid the battle. If you get the same thing you've always done and you continue to do that, if it's not a good thing and it's not getting results, then you're going to have to change what you're doing to get a different result. People will want, they want great things. We all do, oh, I want this. Oh, Lord, Lord, I want this. What are you doing with this? What about the small things? You see, that's the test. What are you doing the small things? What are you doing with what he's giving you now? How are you being a good steward? Not just money. I'm talking about just in your life. This is an illustration that I can, I'll share with you. It's very simple. I've shared it before. But when Kim and I were first married, she had a 1976 Mercury Cougar. And we anointed that car with oil about a quart every week. That car burned oil. You could get behind that car. You push on the gas, and it'd be like the Batmobile. We could lose you in a second because you wouldn't see us. So, anyway, we we rode the car, drove the car until we we needed a refrigerator. And how many know? Sometimes you're like, okay, God, how are we going to get this refrigerator? And we said, sell the car. So we decided to sell the car. We did that. We we asked God, and we, we got a number. We did all that stuff, everything right, bought the refrigerator, and the refrigerator had something in it that I had not experienced before in my own household until this day, and it's called an automatic ice maker. <laughs> there must be angels in heaven with automatic ice makers. How many remember the day when you had the metal ones that you went, <laughs> didn't you hate that? You want to know something I did? I didn't even share this in first service. One time I did what Ralphie and Randy did to the flagpole. Not smart. I had my face under the faucet. Anyway, totally different story. Don't need to go there. Or the plastic ones. We had to just twist them and then break the ice. And then, how many times have you had children never filled the ice trays back up? So we got this automatic ice maker, and I was so happy because when you have something that just produces a harvest of ice, we would be in the living room, and we'd hear, and I'd look at Kim, and I'd go, another harvest. She'd go, I know. We would get excited about ice, but I would go in there with my glass, and I would take my chubby hand. And I would pick as many ice cubes up as I could, and I'd try to shove them in my glass. And inevitably, I would lose 
three or four cubes that would not make the glass, and they'd fall on the floor, and then I can't find them. Until the next morning when I had a pair of socks on and found a little puddle, and my wife told me something very wise. She said, why do you do that? I said, do what? She said, why do you try to jam so many? Why don't you just take one or two cubes at a time and put as many ice cubes as you want in there, and you won't drop any? But she's totally right. And guess what? When I did that, I didn't lose any eyes. I still got what I wanted. But I had to do something different than what I was used to. My way wasn't working. Now, that's a simple illustration. But sometimes just a tweak on something simple can give you a lasting result. Come on. I told you last week there's people that said, I just want to lose weight. And one guy was drinking what? You know, and again, I know Bill Wyatt drinks a ton of Pepsi. Don't be a hater, as Bill would say. But this dude drank like, I worked with him, he drank like, you know, like eight or ten Pepsis a day, which is a lot of sugar, and he wanted to lose weight, so he cut out Pepsi, and guess what? Weight started coming off. One little change made a big difference. If you're late to your destination, there's a thing called an alarm. You might even have a phone that has one of those on it, just thinking, you know, so set the alarm. Set it during the day. Set it beforehand. Make preparation. Be the general of your army. Ask God for wisdom. Strategy number two. Pray fervently. I looked up the word fervently, and the dictionary defines it as enthusiastically and passionately. Have you ever been enthusiastic or passionate about anything? If you found something that you really like or something that is life-changing to you, people will get passionate about it. And when you see somebody that's really passionate about something, you have a tendency to say, well, whatever it is, is really made a difference in their life. They believe that. You'll have more tendency to look at it. Because if you love that person, you've not seen them so passionate or excited about something. So just understanding that, praying. Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. We can go to God's throne confidently, boldly. You know, I've got four kids. I'm telling you what, every one of my kids has a key to our house. They don't need my permission to come into my house. They have a key that unlocks the door, that opens the door. They can come into my house. They don't need my permission to go to the refrigerator, open it, and get whatever they want. They don't need my permission. This is Father's house. In Father's house, there's plenty. We don't deny them anything. Come and enjoy what God has brought in there. Help me. Because with God, you can come boldly. Jesus said this, Father, you hear me. You always hear me. That's an incredible statement. God has got his ear turned towards his children. Hebrews 4, 16, as we talked about it, we can come confidently. We know that God is listening. We have authority in areas of our life. Do you believe that God supplies? Do you believe that God heals? Do you believe that God delivers? Do you believe that God restores? Do you believe that God forgives your sin? Do you believe that God forgets your sin? Do you believe that God blesses? Do you believe that God heals? Help me. God is here today and he wants to do just that for you. How many times have you prayed and received nothing? I've done it. Or at least it didn't come in my time. I'm like, oh God. We've all felt like that. Well, we're just waiting. 
you know, I get it. There are times when God says, be still and know that I'm God. There's times that I get it. You didn't get in dead overnight, and, you know, he didn't loose an angel that comes down and says, you know, here you go. Here's, I get it. You have to put principles and things into practice. I understand that. But there's sometimes you just pray, and you're like, I don't think he's listening. If he is, I, I don't seem to get anything. The Bible talks about us praying amiss. Have you ever prayed wrong? I mean, praying is really never wrong, but I mean... Maybe not pinpointing everything. We've talked about this. We tell God, God, you gotta, you got to remove this. And we hear nothing. And God says this. It's up to you. Don't pray to me about your mountain. Pray to your mountain about who I am. Not meaning us, but God. It changes everything. Because it has authority. It's amazing. I got asked one time. <clears throat> PB, come to my house. There's stuff going on in a room. We don't like it. It's weird. And there was a family that lived in the room, and I was on staff. And they said, well, would you come over? I mean, we hear things, and there's weird stuff going on in there. Will that leave? Now, listen to this. This isn't because I'm anybody. We all put our pants on the same way, one leg at a time. But it's who we know who we are in who we are in. And I said, absolutely. I said, I'll come. Will that leave? Yep, sure will. You mean you can cast that out? Sure can. What's the matter? Is there a but? Here's the but. I'm going to leave. I'm not living there. So you have to take authority for the stuff that when I'm gone. They're like, go ahead. Come and clean it. So we're not talking about, you know, Clorox and Pine Saw. We're talking about spiritual. So we go through the house and they get me up to this room. And the room is shut. And this is what they say, the door will remain shut. We don't leave this door open. Because they're afraid. Did you know Psalm 118.6 says, I will not fear. The Lord is on my side. I said, well, let's get this thing out of here. They're like, are you going in? (laughs) Isn't that why you told me to come? We open the door. We go in. And I mean, I'm not trying to be spooky or anything. I mean, yeah, because all of what they're saying, your senses are like, But there's weird stuff, like there's stuff on the wall, and there's whatever. And so we pray, and man, it's like the presence of God just came in that room, and everything felt different. And they said, oh, man, that's awesome. And I said, now, it's up to you to keep this this way. So they said, well, let's pray around the house. So that's what Kim and I do. Every house we've ever bought, and I've prayed over every window, every doorway, every closet, the four corners of my property. I've thrown oil. I've prayed. I'm telling you, we're claiming all that for God. So they said, what do we do? I said, well, I'll I'll go pray over your property. I'll put angels around your property. But again, you got to have the authority to keep them on post. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. So they hand me a bottle of Crisco, the liquid. (laughs) True story. And so I'm not thinking, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, but I'm not thinking about what's going on. So I'm, I'm throwing oil. And now I'm talking in my prayer, and I'm throwing oil, Father, in Jesus' name. This place is for God. I'm throwing oil like that. And then I just stop, because have you ever been doing something, and you know there's people watching you? I stop, I froze, and I look up, and there's neighbors on the other side of the hedge going, Mouth open, eyes about this big, and I thought, this is what's going through my mind. Boy, are they thinking you're wacko. <laughs> then I thought, I don't live here. Shaka bobo, son. 
True story. But what happens is then they start reporting, you know what, God's doing things in, in a good way. It is up to us to understand strategy. <laughs> so we don't want to miss God. You see, sometimes we're praying for, for uh, finances. Let me just say this. I'm praying about, you know, Father, we have a money shortage. And what we really don't understand is we might have a giving shortage. Oh, Father, I need money. If I just had more money, I'd fix this. You know, and if I had more money, I'll do this with it. What are we doing with what we got? We want to, you know, we want this, but here, that's, that's so key. Luke eleven forty nine 49 says, get wisdom. Jesus is telling them, you need the wisdom of God. He quotes scripture. He called the written word of God the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is his word. So when we get God's word on it, we got to start doing stuff. we got to soak our mind in it. we got to get it in us. We've got to, to not just go over it, and, but, but get it inside of us. Memorize it. I have declarations I say on my phone every day, and it's his word. That's where Psalm 118.6 comes from. You know, and we have... You know, uh, different ones that I quote, I, uh, there's about a dozen of them I quote, and we just, I say them all the time. So we have to dig in it, we have to learn it, we have to take it seriously, we have to pray in the Spirit. In other words, you know, and we're going to talk about that in April, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you things that, the Bible says that we should be, we are the lights of the world. So we're going to glow in the dark. We're going to talk about that in April, and we've got to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We've got to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We've got to understand what this is and how that works and how that works with us. We've got to learn how to walk in victory, so we have to take this seriously. I'm tired of just rope-a-doping the devil all the time. I'm ready to punch his lights out. We've got to make those declarations. God's word says it doesn't come back void. So if his word doesn't come back void, we have to hear us saying it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. You need to see yourself saying the things of God. I am more than a conqueror. God will supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. We need to begin to quote the word and say it out loud so we can hear it. And when God starts that process, that spiritual process, that insight, the worship, and we begin to just praise God. And we pray, you know, and, and again, I'm just scratching the surface. But when we pray in the spirit, we pray in a language the enemy does not understand. And we pray the Bible says perfectly. Man, there's not too many times I'm perfectly. My wife could be more perfectly. But I, just to be able to be like, oh, if I don't know what to pray, I can pray in the spirit. And, and then he knows what to pray. So we're going to talk about those things. But the cool thing about that is when our spirit, when you get born again, when you ask Jesus in your heart, your spirit connects with God. Say amen to that. Your spirit connects with God. So when you begin to pray in the spirit, then his spirit and your spirit begin to have communion on the things that you're concerned about. And he can download things into your spirit. Sometimes you get it right away. Sometimes it might be in the middle of the night. Sometimes it might be driving. You just have a rant like, whoa, man, that one thought, that one idea can change your life. I mean, there's been times I'm just like, God, I don't. I don't know. I, have you ever lose your wallet? I lost my wallet. It's no fun when you lose a wallet. Because you start going, great, I got my driver's license. Do I have any credit cards in there? I got your debit card, or whatever. And trying to figure all that out. Like, Lord, I don't know where it is. I looked everywhere, tore the place. Wow. You know, so this is what I did. True story. I started praying in the spirit. 
Just start praying. God, I need the Lord. You know where it is. I don't know where it is. I didn't get anything right that second, but within just a short time period, same, same day, short time period, maybe, I, don't, I can't remember the time frame, half an hour, hour later, I don't know. I was just doing something. I just, again, think about Mark eleven twenty four. 24. We, we pray and we believe we receive when we pray, not when it shows up. So it isn't, doesn't have to mean material, although the wallet is a material thing, but it might be wisdom on whatever you're fighting. Come on. This is, this is a kingdom principle. You can go, I don't believe you. How's that working for you? I got fruit from mine. So this is what happened. I get this picture in my mind of my wallet underneath my sink just sitting by the Dawn dishwashing liquid and something else. And I'm, how in the world did it get under there? I don't know how it got. I don't remember I don't know. I don't know if the enemy was like, <laughs> I will put it under the sink. I have no idea. All I saw was this picture in my mind, and I'm like, and it just hit me. I was like, there's my wallet. I went right in. This is my apartment. This is BK before Kim. Life was never good, BK, just saying. Opened up the, the sink underneath. There my wallet was, just sitting just like I saw in that picture. To this day, I still don't know how it got there. But he showed me where it was. You see, when we get wisdom from God, God can do things that no man can do. Think about Gideon. Take all these. You know, he had thousands and thousands of men. Go down to this water hole. The men that drink this way and the men that drink that way. These guys let go. Keep these guys. He ends up with 300 dudes to fight thousands of other guys. And God says, here's the plan. Surround the camp. Take these pitchers and these candles or these lamps. I mean... What kind of plan is that? How about Jehoshaphat? Send the praisers first. I mean, send me some Rockies or Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Don't send me some praisers. Put on the garment of praise. I mean, send me somebody that's going to rough somebody up. But see, here's the thing. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. Those praises aren't singing praises to Jehoshaphat. It's, they were singing praises to Almighty God. When you start downloading things in the Spirit, it is praising Him. It is praising the King of kings and Lord of lords. And whatever enemy is up against you, God is saying, just let me at him. You missed a good spot to clap. Thanks for the one lone golf ball clap over there. Appreciate that, Sheila. That's good. Thank you. I love you. Good girl. How about if somebody, you know, you're praying, somebody on the telephone calls you and said, you know what, the Lord just told me to encourage you today. I have a word for you. I don't know if this means anything. And they tell you something and you're like, oh, my word. What timing? Those are, that's God saying, I heard you. Wisdom. God can give you an idea or concept, change your entire life. Here's. Number three, speak fearlessly. 1 Peter 4.11. Do you have the gift of speaking? Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength, energy that God supplies. Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Our glory and power to him forever and ever. We got this building. God said this will be for my glory. This thing is talking about if you can speak, then you need to speak with authority. My friends, listen to me. You have certain things inside your authority that you need to speak to. 
You need to speak to things. You need to say, you know what, this, you will come in line. God, this will happen. Father, this house will be a house of blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, my kids will serve the Lord. This, I mean, you begin to declare those things. Speak it. You need to hear yourself speak it and begin to live what you speak. Life and death is in your mouth. And you need to speak it. Blessing or cursing. You can say, I don't believe that. Again, and I love you. How's that working for you? Am I perfect? I am not perfect. Do I ever say things wrong? You betcha. But I'm working on it. But I am conscious. I've asked the Holy Spirit, help me. And he's changing me. Ways I would have responded or reacted before. I'm asking God to change the way I think. To change my thoughts to his thoughts. My thoughts the way he wants me to do things. My actions to follow the things of God. So that I don't follow me. I have people that say, you know what, I'm just asking God for more power. Let me address that real quick. You don't need more power. What are you doing with the power you got? Let me go on. If we allow the Spirit of God to flow through us in greater measure, if we're not seeing things, it's not God's fault. He hasn't got a lack. It is us. It is us not believing or receiving the way we should. If we are the ones keeping the lid on our lives, we are the ones that can take the lid off. I mean, Pastor Kim and I, we have to look at stuff, you know, if the church isn't happening the way that God wants it, then you know what? It's got to be in the way we're leading it. So God, show me how to lead it better. Let me peel the lid off. Let me take the lid off. Let me have no limits. There are people that say, well, you know what, I just can't get healed. I have to wait on a supernatural, spirit-filled TV evangelist to come. And there's nothing wrong with supernatural, spirit-filled TV evangelists. I'm not against any of that. You know, I've, one of these days, God will bring people in here, and, and we'll be on television and all that stuff. That's fine. I don't, we just want the kingdom. Here's the thing. It's about whether, do you know God will use you just like he'll use when a, a spirit-filled big TV evangelist? I mean, it's great that they're walking in that anointing, and that can be a true statement. But if you have faith, you can get God wherever you need to get God if you're believing. Mallory, when she was just little, man, she was only four or five years old. She watched Benny Hinn all the time, and she would just want to pray for people. And if you didn't fall down, she'd say, fall down, I prayed for you. What's the problem? Because in her mind, everybody had to fall down. It's not whether you fall down or stand up. It's what happens, you know, the days after, six weeks later, five weeks later, five days after. It is walking in the power, in the glory of God. But God is no respecter of persons. If he used them, he can use you. It's about believing and releasing and obeying and getting your life in order for what God wants you to do. People say, you know, I just don't believe, Brett, you can just turn God's power on and off. I don't either, because here's the thing. It's never off. It's already on. It's not that we have to call power down from heaven. He already put power in you. It's about turning on what you already have. God can give you full power. He can be Captain Kirk and say, Warp 7, Mr. Sulu, let's go. (laughs) 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, he put on full power. It hasn't turned off since. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than even I did. 
because we can operate in that unlimited power if we just submit to God. We believe and walk in what he tells us to do. This is what's cool about Jesus. Jesus operated in an unlimited power, but he said we could do the same thing. But he just didn't speak the words of God when he was ministering. In other words, he wasn't one way on the platform and another way somewhere else. He just was Jesus. He was speaking God's word all the time. He didn't just speak the words of God uh, when he was feeling spiritual. Because, you know, God, Jesus left heaven, the deity, and he came to earth. So he was human. You know, he, I'm sure he slept on the bed wrong. I don't know what kind of bed he had back then. I bet, oh, man, there was a root right on. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things he had to get. He had to get up. Morning, fellas. Peter, shut up. You know, Peter could have said something else. Thomas, why do you keep doubting me? You know, Judas had some issues, obviously. There's all these things. I mean, but he spoke God continually. He had to fight those flesh things as well. He had to fight, you know, maybe I didn't feel good or I'm stiff or, or whatever, or I'm tired and these people are just coming. And, I, you know, he had to do what God told him to do. He always spoke the word of God. He said, if you hear me, you've heard the Father. What I do, the Father's done. That's what we want. God doesn't have a way to give you more power. He's already given it to you. You're already. You just have to turn it on. Speak the word of God every day, all day. Operate in full power. Here's step number four, strategy. Give abundantly. Luke 6, 38. This scripture is normally used when everybody preaches about giving, about tithing. And it, and it can be, and it should be. But it also, if you read a couple verses before it, it's, it's actually talking about judgment. So it's not just giving. It's talking about, you know, if you judge, you're going to get judged. All of that. There's a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes man just picks out something they want and they just put it in there. And it can be taught on giving, and we'll use it for that this morning. But it says, given it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The reason they did that, because back in that day, if you were wealthy, you owned ground outside of the city. And the closer you had the ground to the city, the more wealthy you were. Because you, you, know, that was, you, you had it right there. It was very convenient. But um, the people that were poor in a, in a rectangle, what they did was they, they only harvested. The farmer only harvested. They'd cut off the corners, just like the dog ears. They didn't do that. They left those for the poor. That was the instruction. They harvested everything in the middle. The poor then would come out and get the stuff off the corners of the field. Now, this term came from because when they came, they would, you know, it's not like they had U-Hauls back in the day. They had camel hauls. Donkey hauls. <laughs> Kid hauls. But anyway, they just had baskets and stuff. And so they would go and they would harvest, obviously, the they would pick the closer fields first because they'd have to carry it back into town. I mean, I'm sure some people, if you're wealthy, had wagons and you could take a wagon. And, but you'd still have to pull it and all that kind of stuff. But what they did was they got this, the crop from the corners, put it in the basket, pressed it down, shook it so they could get more in. So it was running because they can't go back and get another load. It's too far. Some of them walked miles just to get one or two baskets and have to haul it all the way back and had to do it in spurts. You know, you carry something in like, let's take a break. Okay. So that's what that, that whole term began to come from. So we set the 
the standard or the bar on how we give and what happens when it comes back. We say this to some people that, that are, we, we believe are very wealthy or big churches. Well, they have a lot, so they give a lot. We have that backwards because they give a lot. That's why they have a lot. Think about what I just said. It's amazing. People have asked Kim and I, they're like, how did that happen? You know, God has had us give stuff that we are like, we didn't want to do it. I mean, don't think I have a halo that lights up this room. It does not. There, there's times that I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, we, we've decided we had a plan. You ever have a plan that wasn't God's? We had a plan. We, you know, we had thousands of dollars. We were going to, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to do that. And God said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to give that to the church. I don't want to give that to the church. God, I want to do this. That's what we plan on. Remember, I told you. Get with the program, Jesus. Come on. And he wouldn't say anything. He would say, no, I want you to do this. So then, you know, if you have a godly wife like I do, and you go ask her, she always just, she always just goes to his side. <laughs> She'll say, because I mean, she did that one time. I had some, I, I felt God tell me I had a, a really nice XLT um, Ford Ranger truck, mint shape. And the Lord said, see that boy over there? I said, yeah. He said, go give him your truck. No. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so I went to tell her, I said, you know what? God wants me to give, the kid's name was Brian. He wants me to give Brian my truck. And she said, better do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was the enemy doing a ventriloquist act. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, after, after uh, a few days of being mentally distraught over that, I knew I was supposed to give him the truck. So we did. And then somebody else gave me another vehicle, and God had me give that away. And then another one, and he had me give that one, and another one, and he had me sell that. And he had me give the money here and do this and do that. And it was all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, when it came to this money, I said, we're supposed to give that to the church. I think he wants us to give that to the church. I wanted her to say, I don't feel that. She's like, okay. So we did. Now... Doing all of that, if you think that I'm like, oh, praise God, it's so wonderful to give. On those, some, some of those occasions, it was painful. It really was. Because my inside, I knew I was supposed to. Now listen to what I'm saying, so you're going to have to peel this onion back a little bit. My belief knew I was supposed to. My obedience followed my belief. My flesh said, you are stupid. But I did it anyway. And then I just, I forced, now listen to what I'm saying. So I'm trying to help you so that you know, like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. So this is what I said, and this is what we said. Father, I just thank you. God, this is your money anyway. It was your truck. It was your this. It was your money, whatever you say. And we gave it, and we had miracles happen that were far more than I would have ever thought of when we would have just done it on our own. That's God. And God will take. It doesn't have to mean you have to be perfect. Because sometimes that's a process. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take you some time. But if you give to God and you understand. Whether it's giving or judgment or forgiveness. Live a life of generosity. Here's number five. Work intently. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there'll be no work, planning, or knowledge, or wisdom. That's pretty self-explanatory. 
You're alive and breathing now. Do what God's called you to do. You know why we call this stuff where we have all these people serve? We call it a dream team. Our dream team members, and we're, we're believing God in the in this future here, the early summer or something. I want to, I'm planning a dream team party. We'll pay for everything. We want to blow your socks off and just bless you for serving. But that's all good. That's all good. But you know what? It's a dream team because you have passion. You have stuff that you love. You have things that you are passionate about and you love doing. And if you get to do that with people that you care about and people that have those same kind of likes, that's a dream. Thus, a dream team. So that's why we call those dream teams. When people get out, there's people, we have people on the prayer team. They just love to pray. So to have other people that are going, I'm called to pray. Yes, my peeps, they're ready. Work intently. Whatever you put your hand to, start doing it for the glory of God. That's why my, my wife has this excellent spirit. She, whatever she's doing, she wants it excellent. Because why? She's putting her hand to it. She wants God to get the glory. Because he specifically told her, for my glory. Live your life on purpose. Put some thought behind it. And start saying, God, help me do what you've called me to do. Stir yourself up in the Holy Spirit. Begin to say, God, help me do what you want me to do. Help me be obedient. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the turning point. I'm tired. Just one more round. Let that bell ring. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get in that ring and say, enemy, I might have been down for 14 rounds. But baby, here comes 15. I'm ready. I got some stuff going on in me now. I got some holy. Holy Ghost power working inside me. I got some unction. And what I got more than what you don't have, I have the word of God. I've got Jesus' spirit inside me, and you're going down. I don't want to live my life, and I wished I would have. I wished I would have did that. I should have did that. I want to live my life intentionally, doing what God's called me to do, blazing a trail. Here's our last strategy for this morning. Love unconditionally. They'll know we are Christians by our love. We've got to love others. God demonstrates it. I mean, people killed his son, and he still loved them. And he even knew they were going to do it unconditionally. You know, love is saying, it isn't saying I agree with what you do. Love is just saying I love you no matter what. How many know people make bad choices? I get it. I've made some. But love is saying... I still love you. Doesn't mean I condone the choices you made or whatever, but I still love you. Issues of the heart have to be dealt with. You have to forgive. If you can't forgive, you can't go forward because it'll, it'll put a wall there. You have to be able to forgive. You might not even understand. You might have to just, again, faith comes by hearing. Say, Father, I forgive them. Bless them. If you start praying for people that have hurt you, you can't hold grudges like you did. Forgive. It's going to take discipline. Kim and I were talking, and she said there's a couple things she heard on a podcast. There's the pain of discipline. How many knows discipline brings pain? Now think about what I'm saying. Not, not just discipline by if your kids and they need spanked. I'm not talking about that kind of discipline. But that brings pain too. Of course, you know, you could mess with your mother. Oh, a little more to the left. But that's another story. But discipline of if you need to do something, it's going to cause you some pain because you have to make some changes. If you want to lose weight, you can't eat Twinkies all day long. That might take some discipline. Have you ever been so used to coffee and then you cut your coffee fix off? 
and your headache says, coffee! <laughs> it's going to take some discipline, balance. There's a, so there's the pain of discipline. If you want to work out and you want muscles or whatever, they don't happen supernaturally. You have to build those. Discipline. So there's the pain of discipline. Secondly, you either have that or you have the pain of regret. I knew I was supposed to do that, and I didn't. I wished I would have did this, and I didn't. So then, Brett, what do we do? Then start where you are right now. If you messed it up and you've got regret from the past, then start today. Today's a new day. You've got strategy now. You've got a plan. You're going to get it from God, and you're going to go forward. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith for, true, uh, for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take you and I to say, you know what? I'm in this to win it. I'm going to do what God's called me to do no matter what. No matter what. And when you are all in, it's amazing the faith that is released. The choice is yours. You're going to have to decide. Choose this day whom you will serve. There's always going to be that fight. The enemy's always going to try to get you off focus. But he's cunning and he's sly, but he's also stupid. You've seen him. You know how he works. So if you can see it, you can plan against it. You can strategize. Not today. I am not going that way ever again. Put up that block. Put up that wall. Ask God for some Holy Ghost unction that you already have. Start activating what's inside you. Start walking in faith. Start, start being the woman or man of God that God has called you to be. Start taking authority to the things that are in your realm. And watch the Lord move His mighty hand. He's waiting on you. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please.